0: Hey Bible study folks good to have you back with us. We are studying the book of Romans which is a letter inspired by God through Paul um, the apostle and he writes this letter to the believers in Rome. We've studied that quite a bit. We are in chapter 15, uh, and we're coming to the end of Romans. So there's 16 chapters. In uh, a lot of ways, you could tell that Paul's wrapping up this letter, wrapping up this writing, because first of all, he's summarizing a lot of what he said, but also he's giving credibility to himself and what God's called him to do. So he didn't start off the letter that way. In chapter 1, he, he does a short greeting and introduction of himself, but at the end, he's giving some credibility to him, uh, himself as a church planner, as a leader, as a father of the faith, if you will. Um, and this is needed. And if you were to skip this part, if you've ever read a book and you said, oh, I read that book, but you kind of skipped the last couple chapters, Romans would not be the place to do that. Uh, there are a lot of things you could still dig out and learn uh, from, from these last couple chapters, not only because Paul is summarizing stuff, but he's also he's presenting himself in a lot of ways as a model of what the Christian life looks like. So I've, I've said it a couple times when I've taught, Pastor Matthew and others have said it. Um, the chapters 12 on in Romans are such an applicable, so, um, so presentable to us as a, a blueprint of how to live when we follow Jesus. Um, and Paul's presenting himself in that way. He's bold in what he's saying. He's confident in what he's saying because he really does believe uh, that he was called by God uh, to preach the good news, to preach the gospel. Uh, And I'm excited to get into this huge chunk of verses uh, because they're super important and there's a lot to unpack here um, if we dig deep. Now, like I said, if you're reading this superficially, you might want to skip over some of these details, but this is good stuff to read. So, Romans chapter 15, verses 14 through 33. I'm going to read all the way through them, Um, and then I'm going to go verse by verse a little bit just to dig in deep. Um, Starts off with verse 14 here in chapter 15. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another but on some points i've written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by god to be a minister of christ jesus to the gentiles and the priestly service of the gospel of god so that uh, so that the offering of the gentiles may be acceptable sanctified by the holy spirit In Christ Jesus, then I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. By word and deed. I hope you're still with me. We've got a few more to go. By the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way about around to Illyricium, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Verse 22, this is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in the passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints, for Macedonia and Acacia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. Last verses 27. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what have been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Verse 30. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Now, he's wrapping up quite a bit, but again, this is not the last chapter. There's one more after this. There's going to be verse uh, chapter 16. But chapter 15, there's a lot here, but there's a lot to unpack here. So I'll start again at verses 14. I'm going to back up here one more slide. Verse 14. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you, are, you yourselves are full of goodness, um, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Um, this part right here is super good and it gives, here's why it's so good, is because it actually gives us a framework for what we call evangelism. Um, Paul, uh, he says it later in this letter, he could not even visit yet, uh, to this place. Uh, he, ha- he wasn't able to visit yet uh, to the Roman Empire, uh, to the city of Rome, uh, to the church and to the believers. He had not physically even been there yet. Um, we've talked about it before, but the believers of Rome, they're in a, an interesting place. They're, they might be uh, some of the original people in this way where they hadn't experienced the Apostle Paul physically, and they also had not experienced Jesus physically. So they're believing in a way that we believe ourselves is the fact that we are being taught and we are being led by the Holy Spirit. Spirit and the Holy Spirit through people uh, alone. So they didn't have this figure like the Apostle Paul. They didn't have this physical figure like Jesus. And Paul is laying out a framework of evangelism here, especially when he, he says this. He says, Uh, That you yourselves are full of goodness. He brings up one of the fruits of the spirit we find in Galatians: goodness. That's going to be important for you to be an evangelist. If you, if you're to, when I say evangelist, I mean witness. So if you're a witness to a friend that is far from God, that doesn't know Jesus, uh, you are to be full of goodness when you do that, Uh, filled with all knowledge. That not all knowledge should you have, but you should have the knowledge of Jesus, the knowledge of the gospel. That if you were to share that love with someone, that you were to be filled with knowledge and be able to instruct one another. This is where the witnessing part comes in. Um, that he is trustworthy, Paul is, and hopeful uh, that this church is being sustained, uh, that this church has been planted and it is sustainable because they are filled with knowledge, they are filled with goodness, and finally, that they can love and and instruct one another in this church. Uh, Paul is really giving us a framework of how a Christian should live, and a lot of it starts with evangelism, a lot of it starts with witnessing to others. I'll move on to verse 15 and 16, but on some points I've written to you very boldly, by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles and the priestly service of the gospel, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Uh, First things first is this, is that Paul is very bold. He's making a bold move, calling himself a priest. Now up until this time, uh, when Paul's talking about being a priest in God's house, uh, that was really reserved for a priest in the temple of God in a Jewish synagogue, a Jewish temple. Uh, But now Paul is even, he's making a bold move saying, you can now be a priest of Christ Jesus. So he's making a little bold move, a little bit of a change there. And he's also fulfilling a prophecy here. He talks about the priestly service of the gospel to the Gentiles may be acceptable. And this is actually prophesied back in the Old Testament in Isaiah 66. Uh, when I, In Isaiah 66, it ends that book, actually. It says, Proclaim to all nations the gospel is for everyone. Um, Paul is fulfilling a prophecy by sharing the gospel with not just the Jews, not with just the Jewish nation, but sh- sharing with us that the Gentiles, and Gentile just meaning non Jewish person, uh, that the gospel is for everyone is that he's fulfilling a prophecy, boldly, might I add, but he's doing it. And this is super important to know, um, is that this is so important in a Christian life as well, is to be with confidence as you go about the great commission. Jesus gives us that great commission to go to the ends of the earth and preach the good news and preach the gospel. That's something we all live with. That's something we all are challenged with. Verse 19 goes on, by the power of signs and wonders, and by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way around, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. I want you to to create a separation in your mind in these two phrases here. Because if you were to just read this quickly, like I, I talked about earlier, you would put these two things in one and the same. The first thing means this: by the power of signs and wonders, we see in Corinthians and other letters in the book of Acts that in Paul's ministry, signs and wonders followed him in his ministry; that they are, they were a big part of his ministry. We see them in Jesus in his three years or so in on earth here in ministry. We see miracles and those things; those same things followed Paul's ministry, signs being uh, things like miracles, things like Jesus healing the blind. We would call that a sign. We'd call that a wonder, too, because when signs and wonders are referred to, it means that it was miraculous, is that it left people in awe. That's what makes it a sign and wonder. Um, But he then goes on to say, by the power of the Spirit of God. So not only are signs and wonders a part of the Spirit of God, but there's also a power in the Spirit of God. The reason I want you to make this distinction is this, is that often we would get discouraged to say if we don't see signs and wonders, if we're not left in awe as often as we think we should, that we don't think ministry is happening, or we don't think our relationship with God is very deep, Um, that if that person isn't healed like we prayed for, um, that, you know, we didn't believe hard enough, we didn't have enough faith, and that just isn't the case, and here's why. The power of the Holy Spirit is promised to each of us when we enter a relationship with God. However, there are spiritual gifts, like healing and so forth, that are not promised to us and that in this moment we're focusing on the giver being the Holy Spirit, and that the Holy Spirit has promised us power, then signs and wonders could follow. The signs and wonders won't always follow, but they could, but power always will. And that's why I think Paul is saying both here. He's making a distinction between both the power of signs and wonders and by the power of the Spirit of God. So it's because of the Holy Spirit that he has power, and it's because of the Holy Spirit there's been signs and wonders. I think that's a good distinction to have. And then verse 20 on here, uh, the last, uh, last couple here, verse uh, 20, 21, um, he's talking about, essentially he's talking about church planning uh, and his role in it. Um, He he says this, he says, uh, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Uh, Paul is just telling us how he likes to do church. He's telling us how he's going to basically, he's helping birth the early Christian church, and he's telling us, listen, Uh, I haven't been to Rome for a couple reasons, but one of them is that you're super sustainable, and I trust you, like I said at the beginning of these scriptures, Paul is saying I trust you to instruct each other, to care for each other, to pastor each other, Um, but also I'm not going to go to places I've already been, I need to go to places that have have not heard the gospel. Like, think about it. This isn't 2021 we're talking about. There's not social media and internet. We're talking some of the first, um, the, the people that are hearing the gospel for the first time is a person traveled there and told them. And I'm sure some of them, a lot of people, disregarded it as a cult belief or, or a weird witchcraft thing or whatever it may be. But a lot of them latched on to it and saw it as, as something real, something that they could believe. They've heard of the miracles of Jesus. They saw the signs and wonders in Paul's ministry. They were left in awe, it was that wonder, uh, that wonder word again. Uh, and they saw this, and, and Paul is saying, that's what I'm up to right now. Is The reason I've not been to Rome is because you guys are doing great. But I need to go to other places where the gospel has not been heard. And that's really the mission of the church. That's the mission I know of our church here at The Tree is that we really want to see lives changed. We want to see lives changed for the gospel and for people to hear the gospel uh, for the first time that they've never heard it. We move on to verses 22 uh, on, and we see here in verses 22 through 25, uh, Paul gets a bit into the nitty-gritty again of this church planting idea. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you, but now since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. So he's ensuring them, like he's a delegate. Like, the the Roman church has been doing well. This letter to them uh, is a big reason for it, too, in the future. Um, But he's a delegator. He's taken care—the Roman church has been taken care of uh, by Timothy that he's so sure of it. Uh, And what he's saying here, uh, he's saying, I'm going to come check on you, but first I've got some other churches to plant. I've got some other fish to fry. In verse 25 through 27, um, you can't skate past this. This is huge. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. And then he talks about how people gave to this. So in the regions of Macedonia and so forth, in the, those Roman regions, uh, the Gentile believers, non-Jewish believers, actually gave of material possessions. Uh, so here's another framework for Christian life, for instance. Here's why you don't want to skate past it. Uh, Paul's teaching a huge lesson in generosity here is that these Gentile people had never met the Jews in Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem at this time had experienced several famines. So the believers there, the believers in Jesus specifically, were experiencing uh, a lot of heartache, a lot of hardship. And the regions, the churches in the Rome have actually gave in material blessing, you know, money and and clothing and so forth, food. And Paul is actually going to transport those things to Jerusalem. That's actually one of the jobs he's doing. What a huge lesson in generosity Paul is showing us here is that not only do we need to take care of the church here, uh, not only do we need to take care of people here in our house or in our backyard, uh, but there's people all over the world that we would call our fellow believers, our brothers and sisters in Christ that we need to help. Finally, 25 through 33 um, is such a huge part as well. Uh, actually, 28 through 33 um, is all about unity. When I therefore have completed this and have delivered them to, to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. We're moving on to the next slide. I'll come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. A couple things not to miss here. Judea being the birthplace of Judaism, um, they didn't really like Paul. They didn't like the hard pivot Paul had made. Uh, if you if you know a little bit about Paul, you know he was a Jew of Jews. He was a teacher of teachers, a rabbi of rabbis. He knew more about God than the next person. Uh, and he made a hard pivot when we read in Acts about his conversion uh, to follow Jesus and, and to, to birth the early church and preach the good news. He makes this hard pivot. And the people of Judea didn't like that. In fact, they they uh, attempted to kill him. They attempted to imprison him, with, imprison him however, and he's asking... I need you guys to come together. I need you guys to be in unified to pray for me that I'll make it through Judea. And also, here's a piece of unity as well, is that those gifts, those material blessings that the Roman regions, the Roman churches have given to, uh, that Jerusalem would even accept those gifts. They would even accept a Gentile, a non-Jewish person, give them something. Because at this time, uh, it would be a form of racism. It would even be a form of, of prejudice, is that these people don't get along. Gentiles and Jews, like we have to understand it in this scheme of things, is, is these are two competing groups. And Paul, he's bringing unity here. He says, come together in prayer, but also I pray that Jerusalem accepts this gift. Thank you, Roman churches. Thank you, Gentile churches, for giving. And I hope Jerusalem receives, and we know they eventually do. And through that, Paul is bringing unity to the Christian church. We see so much in these several verses we went over today. We see a Christian should be generous. And a model for that, we see a Christian should be evangelistic. We see a model for that. We see a Christian should be following the Great Commission and preaching the gospel throughout the world. And we see here that a Christian should be bringing unity. And I pray and I, and I hope that as you focus on these scriptures, uh, this set of scriptures, that that would bring you uh, solace, it would bring change about your life. Uh, you would make different choices and decisions because of it It would change your heart. Uh, and I just pray that this gets right into your bones and into your heart. Uh, thanks for being us, with us in Bible study, and we'll see you next time.